Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. It is good to be together, and it's good to gather as the church. Um, when Wendy and I were on our honeymoon, we talked about what we would name our children when they were born. And uh, Sandina was one of those names. And we called her Sandina because the word Sandina means one who seeks God. And we thought that's a lovely name. It sounds nice, but it also means something very special. My name, as I mentioned last week at the Carols, is Barry, and it means good shot. Um, my second name is Ronald. Um, I'm not named after that guy that eats hamburgers or promotes hamburgers, Ronald McDonald, but uh, Ronald uh, can mean uh, one who gives advice or guide. And so the last name Tremaki means the valley between two hills. So I am a good shot at giving good advice if you want to walk between a valley between two hills. Um, that was a joke, yes. <laughs> um, but today it's not about me, it's about Jesus. Uh, today we're starting a new series called How Amazing is Christ? How awesome is Christ? And what I want us to look at is look at some of Jesus' names over the next few weeks as we head into Christmas. Uh, I talked about two names of Jesus at the carols. One is Jesus, which means the Lord saves, saviour, and that he came to save us from our sins. And sin is essentially selfishness. It's the turning inward of ourself away from God. And the other word was Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Jesus is the one who saves us and he's the one who is God with us. Now, in the scriptures, there's actually lots of names given to Jesus. One person calculated there's about 198 names. Someone else, when I was at Bible college, said there's 254 names and titles given to Jesus. Why is that? Is it because Jesus has multiple personalities? No, it's not that at all. It's because Jesus is indescribable. There is no one word that can fully describe who he is. That's why there are so many words and titles given to Jesus because he is just beyond description. And so we're going to attempt over just a couple of weeks to look at three of those names. And uh, so some of the names of Jesus or titles that he's given is this, Creator, Sustainer, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Son of Man, Son of God, the Suffering Servant, the Man of Sorrows, the Friend, the Healer, the Teacher. There are so many names given to him. And so what I want us to do is just to expand our understanding of how amazing Christ is and how awesome he is as we look at this topic. 740 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah said this about Jesus. And uh, it's going to appear on the screen. Uh, there are four names. He says, for, for, this is a prophecy. This is amazing. There are, there are hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus. And this is one of them. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, oh, sorry, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The word wonderful counsellor is what we're going to focus on today. Wonderful counsellor is, in the Hebrew, it's these words. It's P 
Pele Yoez. Anyone want to say that? Do you want to just say that? Pele Yoez. All right, so I've taught, you, I've taught you Hebrew today. There you go, you've learned something. Pele, what does that mean? Well, Pele, wonderful, is just beyond description. Too wonderful for words. That's what that word really means. And, and Yoez is counsellor, uh, guide. One who is, not, is a guide who gives guidance uh, with authority. Someone, now there, there are counsellors who have authority because they know their stuff, they know their material. There are counsellors who may not know their stuff or know their material. But Jesus is the ultimate counsellor. Now, when I've gone to see a counsellor, I've gone to see a counsellor when I've had a problem. It was either something to do with myself, you know, an identity crisis or a relationship problem that I had to work out. And so I've gone to a counsellor in my life for help, because I've had a problem and I've needed help. And that's what counsellors do. Counsellors help people with problems and they provide guidance and help. And Jesus is the ultimate counsellor. In Hebrews 4, verse 15 and 16, the writer says this. And again, there's another name of Jesus here. It says, for we do not have a high priest, that's another one of the titles given to Jesus. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with us in our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace. This is prayer. Let us then approach God with confidence so that we may receive grace and mercy and find that to help us in our time of need. Are you in need? When you are in need and when we recognise that we are in need, that's when God is ready to help us. Because it's really important that we recognise that we have a need before we come to our God. And God, the thing I, one of the things I love about Jesus is he understands our pain. He understands our struggles. He understands the tough stuff we go through. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows what it's like. All the experiences we got, Jesus knows what it's like. And he's there to help us in our time of need. So this Jesus, he, he's the wonderful counsellor and, and he comes for those who are sick. And you might think, well, hang on, I'm not sick. I mean, you know, I'm not at, not at the hospital. I'm, you know, we, we, when we're sick, we go see a doctor or we go to the ICU or we get an ambulance or, you know, we, we get treatment. But that's, you know, that's physical sickness, isn't it? But there's another sickness that we have and, and, uh, and the wonderful counsellor comes to deal with us with that sickness. You see, Jesus came for people with problems. And when we admit that we have a problem, that's when he's ready to help. Uh, we, Jesus can't help us if we're not willing to admit that we have a problem. Th does that make sense? Because when you see a counsellor, you need to say to the counsellor, hey, I've got a problem, and you need to reveal that problem to, to him. So uh, an example of this is Matthew. Jesus, when Jesus called Matthew the tax collector... Uh, he said to you know he said to the tax collector Matthew, "Can you come follow me?" 
And Matthew stopped doing what he was doing and he began to follow Jesus. He realized that the life that he was living wasn't the right way and he began to become a follower of Jesus. And when Matthew did this, there were some religious leaders that weren't happy that Jesus was hanging out with Matthew. And so Jesus had to say this to them, and it's in Luke 5. He says, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call sinners to repentance. And when Jesus was saying that, he was saying that his role is to come for those who are sick, those who need help, and, and, and sinners. Now, we know that all of us are sinners, but Jesus said this because the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they didn't think they were sinners. They thought they were okay. They thought they were healthy when, in fact, they weren't. And Jesus says, I've come so that I might call people to repent. Now, what is repentance? Repentance is it's turning from as much as we know of our sin to as much as we know from, from, from that sin to turning to as much as we know of God. That's what repentance is. Repentance is changing our mind about sin recognizing that we're in the middle of it and that we need to turn away from that and turn to God. And that's what Jesus came to do, to call people to away from selfishness, away from sin, away from life is about them, to life is now about God. And that's the universal problem that we all have is sin. It's the main reason Jesus came. So I want to ask you this morning a personal question. You might think, oh, gee, I didn't come to church to ask, be asked this question. I thought, I, I came to hear some nice stuff. The question I have for you today is, in what ways are you sick? In what ways are you sick? Now, I'm not talking about a physical sickness here, but I'm talking about a spiritual sickness. You know, let me give some examples. Is there a weakness that you're struggling with? Is there a dysfunction in the way you live your life? Is there a dysfunction in your relationships? Is there, um, is there a, a habit that you have that you know when you think about it, it's not a habit that honours God? In what ways... Are you sick? It could be something to do with a fear that you just need to get through. Maybe there's um, some addiction that you have, or maybe there's a hurt that's in your heart, and you're nursing that hurt, and you won't let go, and it's causing you to maybe become bitter in that particular relationship. So here's what I want to invite you to do today with whatever that hurt is, whatever that sickness is. I don't want you to run from it, I want you to hide from it. And God certainly doesn't want us to blame others for it. He wants us to deal with it. He also wants us to not pretend to, or to, to not pretend that it's there. Like, you know what sometimes we do? We pretend that we don't have a problem. We pretend that we're okay, but really we're not. 
And, and the first step to healing is to admit that we've got a problem. So how do we allow this wonderful counsellor, Jesus, to heal us? How do we allow the wonderful counsellor to look after us and to heal us? I mean, when you go to the doctor, what do you do when you go to the doctor? The doctor asks you questions. Why are you here? Oh, you say, well, I've got whatever it is. And you say, whatever the problem is. You go to a counsellor. You're not going to get help by a counsellor unless you tell the counsellor what it is that you're struggling with or what it is that you're trying to work through. Um, what do we do? And so today I want us to look at three ways we respond to this counsellor. First one is we need to be genuinely honest with Jesus, the wonderful counsellor. We need to be honest with him. We need to be willing to just own up and admit to whatever it is that our sickness is. In John chapter 4, there was this woman. She had been, um, she'd been looking for love and she found love in the wrong places. Uh, she found a man, she married that man, but the relationship didn't work out. Then she found another man, married that man, relationship didn't work out. And she went through a string of marriages, five in fact, and she was looking for love and acceptance. And then she met Jesus at a well. And Jesus met her at this well. And Jesus was like no other man that, he'd, that she'd ever met. And Jesus cared for her, loved her, and accepted her for who she was. And Jesus says, you need to go and tell your husband. And she could have made a choice about this because at the time she didn't have a husband. And she could have made a choice and she could have said, Jesus, I don't have a husband. Or she could have said, oh, look, I'm, I'm with someone now who's not my husband. But what did Jesus do? She, Jesus gave her a choice. And here's what she said. She said, you know, I don't have, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, yeah, you don't, you don't have a husband. The person you're with now, you're not in a healthy relationship now either, are you? And what happens in this exchange between Jesus and this lady is she is accepted, she is loved for who she is, and Jesus then reveals to her, because she is honest with him, Jesus reveals something about himself to her. And he says, I am the living water. And what does that mean? He's saying, I am the source of your life. You know, Rob prayed about the living water, the water that sustains the earth. Jesus is the ultimate living water. He's the ultimate sustainer and the one who feeds and nourishes our barren or dry souls. And so this woman had to admit her situation. The safest place that any of us can ever be is to be completely honest with Jesus. It's the safest place for us to be. Because in Jesus, we have someone who loves us, who tells the truth, and he wants the best for us. I heard once the story of a guy called Bill. Bill was an alcoholic. And Bill one day came to this therapy group for alcoholics. And when he walked in, uh, there was a semicircle of chairs, and then there was a seat in the middle. And uh, Sean was the guy who ran the therapy session for alcoholics, uh, for this group of alcoholics. And so as, as Bill arrives, he's there in his suit, his tie and glasses on the end of his nose. 
And Sean says, Bill, we want to get to know you. And the way we get to do that is the group asks you questions. And you just sit on this seat here in the middle. So Bill sits on the seat. And the people start firing questions at him. How many drinks a day do you have, Bill? Oh, four, six, you know, two after work, two when I get home, a couple before I go to bed in the late evening. Sean's at the back of the room and he says, liar. Mm. They ask another question. Um, do you ever hide alcohol in your room, Bill, in your house? You know, do, do, do you hide it in places? Meanwhile, all these people are alcoholics and they know the questions to ask because they themselves have been in this situation. So they ask, oh, do you ever hide it? And he says, oh, no, it's all pretty open. You know, I've got, a, I've got a fridge in the kitchen. I've got a bar fridge in the lounge. I've got another fridge in the garage. You know, it's pre I'm pretty open about it. Sean's at the back of the room. Liar. So then they ask another question. Tell us about your family, Bill. Um, how do you get along with your family? And Bill says, oh, get along okay. Um, there was a little incident with my daughter last winter, but, you know, we've got through that. And all of a sudden, Sean realises there's a little opening here that he might be able to get through to Bill. Because Bill, meanwhile, for this whole time, arms have been crossed, legs crossed as well. Nothing's getting through. And then he says that. And then Sean says, so what about this? What about... Uh, Tell us about that story. What happened with your daughter? He says, oh, no, 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 it's all good now. No, nothing happened. It's all good. She's fine. Um, no one to talk about it. We've dealt with it. Does anyone else have another question? Uh, Bill asks. Sean says, no, 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 no. We're, we're going we're gonna to get to the bottom of this. And, and so um, Bill is just, you know, Sean and Bill are just at it. And Sean doesn't, you know, Sean wants to get the news. And Bill doesn't want to say anything. So then... Um, Sean, Sean does this. He goes over and he picks up a phone and he rings Bill's wife. Hello, Mrs. Bill? Well, Bill's face just goes white. White as a sheet because all of a sudden they're about to hear what happens. Sean says, Mrs. Bill, we've got Bill here today and he's in this therapy session and he's not saying anything much about this little incident between him and your daughter. Could you just tell us about that? Puts it on speaker and tells the whole group. And the she asks the lady. And the mum of this, Bill's wife, this little girl's mum, tells the story. It was really cold one night, she says, and my husband had gone to pick up our little girl it was so cold, though, that they picked, he picked her up at about 7 o'clock from somewhere, and as he was driving home, there was a pub, and he said to, he said to my little girl, look, uh, I just need to stop here and go in to the pub. i just got to get a few things. I'll be back in a while. I'm just going to leave the car running. You'll be safe in here. You'll be warm. You'll be fine, and I'll be back real soon. Well, that was at 7 o'clock. After midnight, Bill came back to the car. It was minus 10 degrees. The, the, the fuel in the car had run out. The car engine had stopped. The car had frozen over. And the little girl also, her body had become frozen. They rushed her to the hospital. And she survived, but she lost half of an ear and lost the fingers off one of her hands. That was the story. And so all of a sudden, Bill is now exposed. His story 
is now out there for the group and they've heard it all. And Bill is still like this. But then all of a sudden, as the truth penetrates into his heart, something happens in Bill. He gets up off his chair and he falls to the ground. This guttural noise just comes out of him and he goes, and he starts weeping and wailing and sobbing and crying because the truth is now out. And Sean, the experienced therapy group leader, comes up to Bill, who's now lying, now standing all fours on the ground, comes up to him and with his big size 11 boot, gets Bill and just pushes him over and says this. There are two exits from this room. Take one of them right now because you are a sleazebag. You have, you, you, you're a disgusting human being. Now, I think this is something you learn at counselling school. Maybe not. And I'm not a counsellor, but I do know what Sean is doing here with Bill as the therapist with this person who's an alcoholic. Because for the first time ever, Bill is confronted with the reality of who he is and he now has an opportunity to be honest. Because what he's, he'd, lived his, he'd lived his life in denial. Denial about the effect of this sin that it had had on his family. He'd lived in denial. And it was affecting and affected severely his relationships. Now, you and I may not be an alcoholic. But there could be something in our life that just needs to come up and out and we need to reveal it to the wonderful counsellor. We need to get it out of our system and we need to reveal it to the wonderful counsellor and how Jesus will treat us, he will tell us the truth. But he also will express to us grace. Because the wonderful counsellor does that. He expresses to us truth and grace. Now, that's who Jesus is, and that's what he came uh, to do, is to express that grace and truth. I want us, uh, want us to move on to this next thing that we need to do, and that is we need to listen to the counsellor's voice. There was this guy in John chapter 5. He uh, had been a paralytic. He'd been paralysed for 38 years. He was by this pool and there were, beside this pool, lame people, blind people, people that needed healing. And Jesus goes up to this guy who's been paralysed for 38 years and says to him, do you want to get well? And the reason Jesus asks him, do you want to get well, is because he wants this guy to admit that he needs to get well. But this guy also listens to the voice of Jesus because here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, get up, pick up your mat and go. And the guy does that. He's instantly healed and he gets up, picks up his mat and goes. How do we listen to the voice of Jesus, the counsellor today? We listen to his voice by reading his word. We listen to his voice through the promptings of the Holy Spirit. 
And the Holy Spirit will never ever say something that is contrary to the word of God or to what Jesus says. The Holy Spirit prompts us to do things, to say things, good things. So there are other ways that we can listen to the voice of God, but primarily it's in prayer and through the word and through the promptings of the Spirit. We need to listen to the counsellor's voice. And thirdly today, we need to do what the Jesus tells us to do. Mark 10 tells the story of a really good guy. This guy was such a good guy. Uh, um, he was a really nice guy, actually. Uh, he was good to his wife. He was good to his family. He respected his mum and dad. He didn't lie, cheat, murder, or steal. And he came to Jesus and he said, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus uh, asked, said to him, well, you know, the commandments, you know, you've got to love God and love people. And he says, yeah, but I've done all that. I, you know, I'm a good guy. I've, I've kept all those commandments since I was a boy. And the Bible says this, that Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus looked at him and loved him. What does that mean? Jesus looked at him. Jesus knew that this guy was giving the surface level answer. Yes, I'm a good guy. But Jesus could see deeper into his heart and could see something in his heart. As wonderful counselor he is, he could see there was something that had a grip on this guy's heart. And what was it? Well, Jesus said to him, one thing you lack, go, sell everything you have and give it to the poor and then come follow me. Now, what does Jesus mean here by saying that? He's saying that this guy's God really was his possessions, his wealth, what he had. That's what his God really was. And so the Bible records this encounter and what happens with this man who asked Jesus the question the Bible says this. At this, when Jesus said this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. You see, this guy didn't have the flu. He didn't have coronavirus. He had affluenza. Affluenza. Affluenza and people having that affluenza and having wealth, having a grip on our heart is perhaps one of the biggest sins in Australian culture today. It is the refusal to um, allow God to be the Lord of our possessions, of our finances. And the only antidote to affluenza is radical generosity. Where are you sick today? What is the wonderful counsellor saying to you? Maybe there's an addiction you need to deal with. Maybe there's something in your heart that is, in fact, your little G God that you're allowing to become your big G God. I don't know what it is, but I do know this. 
that we have in Jesus a wonderful counsellor beyond description who knows everything about us and he knows our heart and he wants to confront us with the truth about our condition. He wants to then show grace to us as well because Jesus came full of grace and truth. And so I want to ask you today, what are you struggling with? Where are you sick? In what ways do you need to become more like Jesus? And I would invite you today to do what Jesus said we need to do. Repent. Leave that behind. Turn away from it and turn towards God and the way he wants you to live. I invite you to do that this morning. You might think, well, hang on a minute. I've come to church today. Aren't I doing the right thing? Yeah, you are doing the right thing, but we've come to hear from Jesus. What is he saying to us this morning? What is it in your life that you know needs to change? Make that choice now. Decide now to let it go and do what God wants you to do. Because there's great freedom when we listen to the counsellor's voice. And I don't want anyone going away from church today like that man did. He went away from Jesus sad because he hung on to his great wealth. What do you need to let go of? And what do you need to, to just let go of in order to follow Jesus? This is an opportunity now. We're going to share in communion and I'm just going to give us a bit of time to reflect personally before we share in communion. So I'm just going to give you a minute for you to just quietly before the Lord, for you to just confess to him, admit to him, for you to pray quietly in your own heart to him. Why don't we do that now in this moment and then we're going to share in. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au. Communion.